Hello and welcome to Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast, and welcome to Warhammer Waffle Episode 3, a spin-off with more waffle than Commissar Yarrick showing off his Armageddon holiday photos. <laughs> and this is the time I was run over by a Bane blade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh dear, who am I? I'm your host, Matt, and joining me as always, a guy so wild he makes the wolfen look like puppies at the pet store, it's Cameron. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm doing very good. I'm sorry, there's a there's a pet store here, near here, there's always a crowd of kids around, and I can just imagine like them pushing up against the glass, and there's this seven and a half foot tall transhuman super soldier in a corner eating kibble out of the bowl, <laughs> and a kid goes, oh, it's Ulfric, can we keep him? Can we keep him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Can we bring him home, Daddy? <laughs> I promise he won't enter the warp. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, or, or he could uh, he could be like Christmas time, which is mm. quite convenient, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, like, trying to like, put him in a package like, in, in a box. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> With a, a little wolf- bow around him. <laughs> a wolfen is for a millennium, not for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that's amazing. Oh, someone do that. Solid start. Yeah, someone do that. <laughs> Just a sad, sad wolfing. You know, every year, 300 wolfen are condemned to slavery and warp. But your donation of three gold crowns could get these wolfen a home and some litter. <laughs> because please, God. God, Emperor. <laughs> I just want to play catch. <laughs> oh, dear. Amazing. Ah, oh, well. Let's, oh, uh, let's God, get I'm on dying. with the show. I'm dying. Like I said, mm. it's, it's waffle time. Uh, if you've not listened to any of these shows, this is basically where for you know 45 minutes to an hour, Cameron and I just, like I said, just talk Warhammer, whatever subjects we feel like talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always, you can check out our social media stuff, ways you can support us down in the links, as always. So, uh, you know, as... As tradition, I will give Cameron the floor to kick off this show. Cameron, what would you like to talk about, mate? Um, I would like to talk about diversifying your toolbox. Yes, it's time to talk about why you should use contrast paints. No, no, everyone knows why you should use (laughs) contrast paints. Um, But uh, I feel, because we're, we're very blessed in this hobby, we have clippers and knives and mold line removers and plastic glue and that's usually everything you need however um as has come to my attention recently sometimes there's more to life than clippers and knives and and mold line removers and plastic glue um particularly if you're working with uh for example resin or if you're working with metal or if you're working with just very big spindly or otherwise unwieldy plastic parts uh it it really pays dividends to go a little outside the box and find something a little more high end um and so i'll talk probably more in depth about this uh what brought this on uh, in our next proper episode sometime next year mm-hmm. uh we're recording on the uh the 28th of december uh for those who wish to be aware of times and stuff like that, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm currently in the process. Uh, I've started yesterday. I've done much more of it today of assembling a, a, a night castigator I rescued off eBay, um, which for those who don't know, it's a very big resin model. Um, and part of the process for this was me realizing, oh, the super glue I have is kind of crap. And... <laughs> 
it's okay to realize that it's not it doesn't show on you poorly that you just wanted super glue for two dollars and so you bought super glue that runs like water and gets all over your hands and removes half your skin um <laughs> i've had some rough times <laughs> with that glue uh so i literally <laughs> i literally threw that out screw that stuff never using it again I'm sure it's great for other purposes for modeling it's crap um so i went uh, out to Bunnings Warehouse, which I don't know if it has an international equivalent, but imagine it's like your it's like your hardware and home improvement store, but the entire yeah. store is the storage warehouse for those products, just arranged mm-hmm. into aisles. So there's literally the entire inventory of the chain there, and you go around. Some of it's very high up on shelves. I looked for 40 minutes for a sieve until I realized it was 10 and a half feet off the ground. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was just wandering the same section like it's got to be in gardening somewhere it's a gardening sieve and I finally found someone who could help me and they went oh yeah it's in this aisle I went I've been through this aisle 10 times they went yeah it's up there and just pointed halfway up a shelf I'm like oh sure Um, (laughs) I'll get that don't worry yeah yeah. Uh, but what I did get that I'm very happy with is first off uh, I got Gorilla Glue Super Glue which is Mm. Fantastic! Uh, it is. Oh a, yes. It is a gel-like super glue. So instead of all these, like your your traditional Games Workshop super glue, your gen, generic cheap super glues that you buy, they are liquid. They run all over the place, uh, which can be good if you've got a long seam and stuff like that. Uh, but the Gorilla Glue is a gel glue, so it comes out in these little globs, uh, which stay fairly static unless you rub them around and smear them and stuff like that. Um, it's made my life so much better. Uh, but it's not what I needed 100%. It's good for certain bits. It's good for the smaller resin bits that need to be held together, but I needed something really heavy-duty, so I went out of my comfort zone, which I guess is more what this section is about. Diversifying your toolbox is really about going out of your comfort zone in the physical side of the hobby, Uh, and I got a two-part epoxy um, and... Okay. Changed my life in the course of two days. Um, <laughs> is how I want to put that. Uh, Changed so, my life. Yeah, okay. so it's, it's like two little syringes glued together. One side is the resin, the other side is the hardener. And the idea is you, you scoop it out, you, you plunge it out onto a little pallet, you mix it up, and use it within five minutes before it hardens too much to be spread. Uh, the faster you put it on and join things together, the stronger the bond will be overall. Um, I might have gone a little overboard because it has a bond strength of 232 kilograms per square centimeter, which is uh, so I could I could glue two square like two centimeter one centimeter by one centimeter bits together and hang a 232 kilo weight off it and it wouldn't break. Um, okay. So it's pretty strong, but it's really really good. Um, it took some getting used to. Uh, I had to do some practice on spare bits of sprue and stuff, because uh, the idea is, I'm used to plastic glue and super glue. You uh, you plop it together, and within five to ten seconds, it's more or less sealed or melted. You don't, you can put it down; it'll be fine. With this, you have to hold it for a few minutes and then leave it for thir- up thirty minutes minimum for it to seal enough to like be able to be picked up without falling out again. Uh, and it takes actually like 24 hours to fully cure. Um, but the result is a super, super strong bond, uh, which is necessary because putting the legs together on this Serastus Knight have been, has been an interesting uh, turn of events because um, 
I think I think I pointed out on Discord last night, but from the shin down, so the sh- just the shin and the foot is fifteen separate pieces. Um, oh wow! Yeah, like there, there's each of the toes is separate. The foot is two pieces. The shin is one piece, and then there's four pistons, each of which is, which is two pieces. Um, and a lot of it's thin and spindly, and a lot of it needs to be able to withstand a lot of pressure because it's going to have the full weight of the knight on it, uh, particularly because I chose a pose where uh, its back foot is touching by a toe, uh, like the tip of a toe is on the base for the back foot, and for the front foot, the uh, the entire foot is mostly touching a piece of terrain at least. Um, but that's mostly why I got the epoxy, because I wanted one of these crazy poses. And because of that, now uh, it's been it's been not quite a full day. It's uh, oh, almost, it's been about 22 hours since I did the leg with the pointed toe tip pose um and just bending it a little now it is so rock solid that i don't think i could pull (laughs) it apart if i wanted to so i'm stuck in this pose as well uh something you've got to be aware of but (laughs) i am confident that even if the other foot wasn't resting on anything this could probably take the weight of the night without snapping off um which is pretty pretty damn good um but but, 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 my hands are also missing some skin and uh, <laughs> a little different, a <laughs> few different colors going on here. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would, I would recommend because these, this doesn't have use just for resin kits. I'm going to start using this stuff in a lot of things, I have a feeling, like particularly for if I want to put something heavy on a base uh, for magnetizing, this is going to be amazing because previously when I've done magnetizing on my nights, I've had to like sort of bury the magnet in a piece and then smooth over the top of it with green stuff to make a shell because the magnets I use are really strong and the super glue I had, like I said, was crap and not particularly strong. <laughs> uh, but now if I use this two-part resin, I can put it in, I come back the next day, that magnet is never going to come out of there. Um, so it's going to make my future magnetizing processes much more uh, enjoyable, I have a feeling as well. Um and yeah, uh, so I, I'm not suggesting you immediately rush out and buy a two-part epoxy and some Gorilla super glue, although they're really <laughs> useful. Um, but I'm suggesting when every time you take on a new project, look at what you want to do and think about what you could use to improve that project overall. Um, like I got this Serastis kit, I pulled it. I well, it was mostly pulled apart for me. Uh, thanks, thanks to whoever shipped that. Uh, because it was all in one piece in the eBay listing, and I was not looking forward to that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I cleaned excess glue off of it. I cleaned some missed mold lines and stuff off of it. And I looked at it, and I went, I'm not going to be able to put this together with what I have. Let's <laughs> look things up. Let's see what other people have used. Um, I think what I did was I looked up Forge World Night Assembly on YouTube, and a lot of people were using... Um, it was a different brand of two-part epoxy, but... The thing I took away was two-part epoxy is what you want, and uh, I am massively happy with the result. And it took a little learning, but now it's sort of set. I'm pretty happy with it, um, and I can see like future uses for it well as well. It dries clear, so if I'm really desperate and can't find a good enough resin, I can use it in place of a resin filler for like water effects and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it, it's more of don't get don't get complacent in your current tool set. Always feel free to experiment with new things, which yeah. is why you should buy contrast paints. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep coming back. I, I finished painting the cockpit over the course of like the last two hours and it is 
almost all contrast paints. I've used contrast paints, the Screaming Bell Copper Color, Lead Belcher, and Pallid Witch Flesh. That's all I've used. Mm. And I've used like six contrast paints, and it looks pretty good. Um, it's going to be sealed up inside the night, and it's going to be filled with resin to mimic water, so it doesn't have to look perfect, but I'm really happy with how it came out, especially because I did it in the afternoon. It was great. Um, so stuff like that, even like if you... Even if you're really into, I do this by the book, I paint, to paint black, I paint Abaddon black, then I do an edge highlight of this gray, then that gray, then finally some white tips. That's great. Don't, don't, don't feel like you can't experiment just because you've started doing a project one way. Like with my Plague Marines, I started out doing the particular way, the way I paint them now, because I've been doing a little work on them as well, is now very different. Uh, thanks again, contrast. Um... <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing up contrast paints till everyone accepts them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently. go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's also, it's just fun to try new things. Uh, it wasn't a massive investment. I think it came to like about 20 bucks total for the epoxy and the new super glue. Uh, and I got lots of them. So there's plenty in there for me to use in the future as well. Um, but I could have gotten it for cheaper if I wasn't as willing to commit uh, to what I'd heard was a yeah. good idea. Um, yeah. So try new stuff. Don't try it on the big important thing right away, obviously. <laughs> um, do a bit of sprue first. Do like, um, I think the the piston bits came on like one of those mold ejections, like those big clumps of resin. So I actually stuck something to the bottom of that uh, with it to oh, test yeah. it. Oh, yeah, good idea. Yeah. Uh, just to see how it would react between actual like sprue plastic and the bare resin because my pilot's made of plastic and the rest of the knight's made of resin. So I wanted to make sure there was no issues there. Uh, which there aren't, which is good. Um, cool. And, yeah, just add it to your toolbox, and then the more stuff you have to work with, the more options you have, the faster and cooler mm. stuff you can do. I think that's more or less what I want to waffle about in terms of just <laughs> get 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 more modeling supplies and more painting supplies. There's a ton of great stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think I know that's, that's a really good point, actually, because I think that the, the longer you get in this hobby – naturally your toolkit expands just because mm. that's by its very nature is going to happen because like you like you've just done now you've suggested something now i'm sure there'll be people listening and going ah okay that's a good point that's something i'd be interested in and now they'll mm. go and investigate it and yeah. maybe hopefully it'll work for them too as well and and obviously being part of the general hobby community is a big Mm. win when it comes to mm. that how many you know how many things have you discovered because you've seen it on twitter you've seen it on reddit or wherever you go or someone's mentioned it at your local hobby club and mm. said oh no try it this way have you tried it and they're like oh no i didn't i didn't thought of that and and what you find similar to what you've just done there in your example mm. is a lot of the good stuff is not necessarily model related stuff. Oh yeah. You know, just because yeah, they're stuff. often the best tools <laughs> are not. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I like the, the, I think one of the best things that I've just, you know, we're not discovered because it's mm. nothing special, but the one things that in my toolbox that has made building models for me much, much easier is using nail files as in mm. the, you know, the ones that they use the, the buffing ones and things like that, because um, as you know, listeners of the show uh, may remember is that uh, like one of my biggest bugbears uh, since getting back into the hobby is the cleaning side of things, mm. you know, getting rid of mold lines, getting rid of the injection points and things like that. I'm, I, I've got very 
anal about it now yeah. and you know and it's probably more my issue than anything else but <laughs> i suppose you know you you just you know you want your models to look good naturally and i think you know even before you've painted them you want it to be built right you want the parts to look correct and as clean mm. and as nice as you can yeah. and i find that's where a lot of my time goes <laughs> when mm. it comes mm. to the hobby side but again i think it's more a reflection of me than, <laughs> than yeah. anything else yeah. um but even now sort of you know t- months and you know a couple of years on now from returning I'm finding that I'm now getting my flow and it's Mm. because like I said, I've now got the technique and the toolkit that I'm happy with, you know, like, like initially, you know, when people were saying about getting rid of mold lines and cleaning up, most people use the, you know, your hobby knife. And I was probably being very cack handed when I first returned, you know, like when I was originally into the hobby as a kid, I, you know, I was using a pair of scissors to cut oh. things out. I, you know, you know, I think because, I did that too. You know, to be fair, I shouldn't make noises of scorn. We didn't know better. Well, <laughs> no, exactly. I no, exactly. I, I think I, from memory, my toolkit as a kid when it came to modelling was I had obviously you know generic super glue. Probably actually, to be fair, it was probably the Games Workshop one. I definitely mm. had the Games Workshop plastic cement for obviously yeah. doing the plastic stuff. Most stuff was metal at mm. the time when I was yeah, into it as a kid. So back in the day exactly and and so you know when i was cutting stuff off i remember like i almost literally cut half my finger off because <sighs> i was using a pair of kitchen you know scissors yeah, basically just yeah. to to Ugh. you know on, on metal you know because mm. and it's obviously even more resistant oh, God. and <laughs> you know and it, it sounds horrible now when you yeah. think back you know what you're doing you never <laughs> even consider that now but but like you said you didn't know any different and mm. i don't think i was ever shown any other way and you just did what with like i said you know what tools you have available to you mm. whereas now we're in a world where obviously you can share these things and go ah this is how you do things so now it's funny actually because when obviously in recent times when you know the citadel mold line remover was released mm. um i you know, thought oh great that's a godsend for me i'll tell you that and yeah i'm really happy with it but I was then trying, you know, obviously using it for mold lines, but then I was trying to use it when you're trying to wear down where mm. they said where the injection point yeah. is, where you've cut it out of the sprue. It, 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 and it doesn't really do that. So I, again, I was like, oh, well, back to using the hobby knife. And I think, again, just through perseverance, it's now, you know, coming to a point where I'm using the back of it, scraping it down. But then having a nail file, because originally I was using those metal, those little mini metal files that yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you get in little packs. Mm. And I'm, I just can't get on with those on a personal level. I don't yeah. don't know why. Whereas I find yeah, I the, you, the, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, you know, I think it's down to, like I said, where the, what you're, you're used to or not. But like I said, for me, using your, you know, your actual, you know, nail files that come in packs that they're using nail bars and things mm. like that because that's basically what they are yeah. you know these buffing ones with all different gradients and such like and yeah it, it's been an absolute lifesaver for me because it just means that i and it's just like i said it's experimenting it's finding the ones that go ah, ah this is the this is my mm. default nail file for, for most yeah. things <laughs> and you know and it, it shows because it's the most wore down out of all of them yeah <laughs> the rest of the set looks very pristine <laughs> but uh, you know but no it's it's great when you find something like that and I think, you know, going out and thinking outside the box when it comes to your toolkit, whether it's your paints, your glues, your, your physical tools, it, you know, it makes such a, such a difference. You know, I mean, mm. it's like when you're using resin, people are using old toothbrushes to, yeah. you know, to obviously clean them. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. Thing, no? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got one stuck in a box you... that I've been using all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and like I said, you, you know, like you made the point then, just don't use it on anything that's, you know, too valuable to yourself. Mm. And that's, yeah. 
you know, that's the only, the main thing to, to really consider. But no, I mean, you know, I mean, some, I, one of the other things that I've seen when it comes to, well, it's not really tools, but it's more, I suppose, techniques, but mm. like when you're using rattle cans, for example, there's some, there's some awesome YouTube videos out there, which mm. show you, you know, like just simple things you wouldn't, you may not consider, but like, like one guy I remember watching was saying, right, when you, you know, when you're going to use a rattle can to prime your models mm. and obviously you're trying to obviously estimate your range because obviously you don't want to be too close. You don't want to be too far because obviously, you know, either way has implications of, of obviously mm. what it does on your model um, is, you know, just, just you, you know, if you're doing it in a cardboard box, which a lot of people do their priming in, you know, yeah. when they're doing rattle can priming is, you know, just, just do it on the box itself at the back, take the models out and just, you know, just go, sh- sh- mm. sh- just yeah. to see how, you know, you check your range. Again, simple thing, um, you know, and a simple cardboard box is enough to do that. <laughs> and like I said, keep your sprue, uh, you know, on, no, on another note, keep your sprue, um, you know, because ultimately you can use them for, you know, testing stuff, gluing mm. sub-assemblies too, you know, there's all sorts really. Um, and like you said earlier, is that most of these things don't cost the earth either. Oh, you know, no. Most of these tools yeah. and things, you haven't really got, again, apart from a bit of time, and obviously you may muck up a model, but mm. again, like I said, use it on a sprue or a bit of excess <laughs> plastic or resin. Mm. You know, you haven't really got much to lose if it doesn't really work out. And, yeah. you know, you could find something that's absolutely amazing and mm. literally can tra- transform your hobby section, you know, <laughs> your hobby life. It's mm. uh, it's really good. So no, no, I'm really pleased for you on that. That's that's cool. I, oh, yeah. I, I must remember because I'm because the one thing that instantly springs to mind for me with your mm. example is that I've got um, Archeon, the ever chosen, yeah, yeah. um, that was kind of gifted to me a while ago. So he's already built, he's already primed, mm. uh, but he's not stuck on his base, and yeah. and that is giving me nightmares already trying yeah. to see because the way <laughs> the way the dragon connects to mm. his base, mm. um, you. But if you're if you're not familiar with this model, just Google it and yeah, you'll probably understand know. it. Look, you know when you like, you know when you like, how is this huge model going to connect yeah. to that base on a in a very balanced way? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. so your honestly, example is yeah. giving me options. Yeah, I honestly give something like that a go. Um, the only caveat I'll add is for the two part epoxy, it does like expand a bit and it is like a clear resiny thing once it's dried with bubbles in it so it will be visible so either put it somewhere where you're okay with painting back over it or where you can base mm-hmm. over it um so for example if you like want to lean him up against a pillar or something just put it put put it between him and the pillar just maybe put a bit of moss there afterwards or something you know mm-hmm. something to help cover it up um in my yeah. case i'm doing a big pool of muck that the night's sleeping out of so it doesn't really matter if there's a bit of what looks like extra muck around one foot so yeah yeah no that's that's fair but and actually one thing talking going back to glue i think mm. even glue having a range of glues oh, if yeah. possible is is worth it because mm. like i think now i mean i don't use super glue much because i do pretty much everything plastic mm. um but when i do use super glue i sound like a commercial when i <laughs> use super glue i use loctite super glue precision pen Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And that, which actually I do, because um, <laughs> it's actually very good. Because it's like, like literally, as the title suggests, it's like yeah. a pen, and it makes, um, yeah, <laughs> it's worth it. Um, but no, but when it comes to the plastic side, I use two glues now, where I basically use um, depending. It depends on literally what, obviously, what I'm gluing at the time. I basically use the Revel one that mm. a lot of people use, um, the one in the blue blue container yep. with the yellow lid. Yep. Classic. Um, 
the classic um what i've done which has going to been a life changer for me is i was i was using the one with the the metal mm. uh thing metal yeah. thing coming out the end you know to to squeeze it in which obviously has a habit unfortunately of getting blocked which yeah. a lot of people yeah will probably wear. they do do a brush on version of the same Ooh. glue yeah, and okay. that has changed that completely for me. Obviously, you've got to be careful because obviously you cannot put a lot of excess on the brush and obviously mm. you get then end up getting glue everywhere. But you don't have the problem of it getting blocked. Yeah. I discovered it at my local hobby craft store. Mm. And yeah, so I oh, use that cool. primarily for stuff that where I really need a massive bond, you know, mm. really strong yeah. uh, bond on things. Because um, like I said, the downside to it is you can get a lot of excess everywhere. So it's one of those where... If you've got quite a meaty part, uh, when I say meaty, uh, okay, let's think something like like a, a uh, you know a Space Marine um, shoulder where you want yeah. to put the shoulder pad on it, yeah. something like that where you know you've got you know you can put a good little bit of excess under it. The shoulder pad's going to cover it. That that shoulder pad's not going to move after after it's glued. Yeah. Um, whereas in in you know in sort of contrast to that, I also use the Tamiar. Um, ultra thin glue which is again another very popular one um that i use for when it's i know like say it's um i know you're doing i know like a a, i know a wolf or you know something where Mm. or a horse you know where the the side you you know you're gluing the two sides together and the edges are quite thin yeah you know so if you use the other glue you're going to probably get a load of excess squirting out whereas obviously the you know the ultra thin because it you know the way it obviously <laughs> as it says in the title it's ultra thin um mm. goes on nicely for that but obviously the downside to that is i find it not as strong as yeah. the obviously the revel version so it's so basically i i have literally both of them when i'm glu- mm. when i'm putting my models together i have both of them there right there and i literally interchange between the two depending on you know what the what the piece i want to do is really yeah so, absolutely so again definitely consider that even if it's you know, consider having two plastic clues or two mm, super mm. clues because you may find one is better for one scenario. And again, because they're not, you know, very expensive in the grand scheme of things, you know, and it's worth having, to be oh, honest. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's cool. Mm. Okie doke. Well, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> move on to you. Right. Yes, let's see. Right. I'm going to talk about something completely different. So, Ooh. I'm going to talk about. Uh, creating your own rules and alternative game modes ooh, ooh, okay ooh, yes so uh, <laughs> so this is something um that i've seen recently i mean obviously people have been making up their own rules and when i say making up rules i don't mean like doing house rules like one little uh, change of something like oh, i don't know say you're playing aos and mm. you now decide similar to what the ogres do that if you've got a monster it counts as 10 mm. for example when it comes to objectives i don't mean like and you do that across the board for every army you know i don't mean like a house rule at a local club i mean actually making up a brand new sort of mini game or Mm -hmm. you know an alternative game mode like i said um you know people have been doing that you know for for years it's a you know very uh see common thing to do and Mm. i find that it's sort of happening more and more you know because obviously the beauty of the internet you see these things um Mm. and i think um this got me sort of thinking the other day because i was on um the TGA forums, which is the, one of the big AOS forums, and uh, a couple of guys have decided to make their own little game mode called um, Enter the Gladiatorium, okay, Ooh. which is basically um, what they've done is they've <laughs> um, they've taken, they've basically created a Stormcast versus Stormcast game, okay, yeah. Yeah. basically using the Horse Heresy rules, oh, okay, so okay. which sounds, 
you know, quite crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've not read the rules in depth. I've just only scanned Reddit because, like I said, mm. it's Christmas time. There's a, there's lots of stuff going on, so I've only yeah, had a chance to yeah. have a, a glance at it. But you know, I've got the idea, the premise behind it, and it's quite cool because what they've done is that they the the, the I think it's two guys that have. Uh, sort of put their heads together to create this rule set. You know, you can basically go onto the TJ forums and you know mm-hmm. download the PDF. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes as well, so cool. just so you can have a little uh, look at it as well. And basically, what they've done is, or why they've done it, I should say, is that I think one of the one of the guys was a is a bit um, wants more conversion and uh, sort of weapon options when it comes to his to his Stormcast in mm-hmm. general. And you know, because yeah. obviously. You know, as we know with AOS, you're a bit more limited with your weapon options, obviously, to keep it a bit more simple, you know, especially compared to 40k. And so what they've done is they've created this game. So basically it gives them an opportunity to take some of their Stormcast models or make some new Stormcast models, give them weapons that they may not usually be armed with in traditional AOS, you know, the game itself. Yeah. And... You know, and and obviously have used the the law in the sense that obviously, as we know, Stormcast. You know, obviously train before they go out into the uh, into the mortal realms, and this is their way of you know sort of sort of justifying it, a law perspective. I.e., mm. you know, you get some Stormcast together, they're grabbing all these lovely random weapons off the off the walls, <laughs> and they go fight each other. You know, yeah. and 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 obviously made the rules behind that, and um, I thought that was a great idea. And, you know, I'm sure that it'll need tweaking and, you know, and obviously they put it onto the forum. So to give, to get, you know, to get the word out there, but also to get a bit of feedback, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which is really cool. And, you know, and as we saw, if you've picked up the recent, I think the December White Dwarf, mm-hmm. um, that's included, I think, some alternative game modes for Necromunda, where you um, can play like shorter games, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I, I opened that up and I was super happy because it has the rules for a bar brawl. <laughs> There you go. Which is awesome. That's it. Um, and for Age of Sigmar as well, uh, it has an aerial battle rule set that has like completely mm. different stats for creatures and vehicles and stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's the thing. I and the reason why I sort of bring this topic up is that I I it's one of these things where I just hope we see more of this now. And I think mm. you know I think there's now more of a market for it because one thing I've I've seen emerging more and more in in the hot when i say the hobby i don't mean just warhammer i just mean war gaming and tabletop gaming in general mm. the, the 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 skirmish game is really picking up speed at the moment like oh, i said yeah. if you go to um like uh, osprey games and all the all those sort of publishers where they create their you know where you can basically buy you know a small little booklet that's not very expensive and it has a you know it's skirmish rule set you know for all, all different types of settings you know obviously created by all different types of people and you know and it and it's, it feels like that's now coming more and more into warhammer in general obviously mm. we've seen you know things like underworlds you know we've seen warcry uh kill team obviously necromunda itself mm. you know it's obviously quite crunchy as well uh you know it, it, it i think it feels like to me anyway that people are craving more of these alternative game modes. I think people are wanting more variety. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. obviously again, I like I remember when I was a kid that and this is quite bad when I talk when, when I'm thinking about it, that basically me and a friend, I was I was still at school at the time, we basically started creating our own sort of offshoot of blood bowl um, okay. yeah. uh, with um, basically, but based around football or soccer for, mm, 
mm. uh, depending on which terminology you use in the world. <laughs> um, because obviously, you know, being being here in Britain, we're, I'm a you know a big football fan. Uh, mm. We're not all football fans, by the way. I'm not generalising, <laughs> but there's a chance you may be into football. Is what I'm trying to say because <laughs> 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 it's our national sport, and uh, I. You know, we, but so basically, but what <laughs> what makes it sound even worse is we were using Space Marines as mm. the as the players. <laughs> so literally, we so imagine this: we're you know we're two young lads. We're buying cheap, you know, uh, generic tactical Marines. We're then you know m- molding them without weapons and things like that. So effectively, so they could play football. We were painting them in like football team colours. So effectively, they they've almost looked like they got socks on. You know, mm. as in like the the boots, <laughs> the the shin, the knee pad is all one colour, and That's then obviously amazing. the thighs upwards. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it was, and I mean to be fair, we we actually started explaining it to the local guys at our you know local mm. uh, GEW store uh, back where I used to live when I was growing up, and they were really into it. Actually, oh, we, was, yeah. we were even literally building a rule set, and we started get. I, it's so long ago, I wouldn't even begin to remember what the rules were like, but I know it was based similar to Blood Bowl, yeah. and it just it you know it was one of those things where. Obviously, in this day and age, from a you know trademark and everything point of view, it would get blown out of the water. Mm. <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get away with it. But you know, and it just got me thinking. Like, I just hope that we see more of this. I feel that you know, it, you know, as we as we are now, you know, yourself and I, and obviously a lot of other people, we're hopefully fully grown adults, um, <laughs> responsible and <laughs> things like that. Mm. Where obviously, as we always talk about, well, I know it's debatable that, but we, <laughs> where we're obviously, we, you know, we, we have more limited time and, you know, and options, but we obviously have generally a bit more disposable mm. income. You know, it's that old, old cliche. Yeah. And, you know, and I think having the, the option to, to do something that's a bit cool because, because I, I find what, what is a shame is that people uh, end up, doing some really cool kit bashes, really cool conversions and, and a cool from like a centerpiece point of view, and maybe Mm. that's the purpose of it, but there's sometimes I think, Oh, that would be really cool. I wish you could play with that in something, but they can't because obviously it's, you know, if it's WYSIWYG, it's going to break lots of rules and, or not going to be allowed and Mm. et cetera, et cetera. And I, um, yeah, I suppose, like I said, I hope, you know, it, it's something that, that takes off more. Because what's happening with a lot of these non-Warhammer skirmish games that, like I was saying, Osprey games and their, mm. all the all the various games they publish is a perfect example, is that they basically, they make, I think they call them model agnostic, where basically yeah. you can use whatever models are appropriate for the game. And that's mm. basically mm. it, um, which is obviously... A, a lovely thing to have as a you know if you're into your hobby because <laughs> gives you full reign of what to do um do you know do you, do you think uh let's sort of pose it to you do you think that gw is going to try and push more of this side of things do you think we're going to see more alternative game modes across all the different games do you think this is mm. you know like we saw with meeting engagements with aos that was one of the biggest ones they've done in recent times where yeah. they, put, you know, they put it into yeah. the actual general's handbook for example yeah, mm. do you, you know, where do you, do you think it will go, this will go somewhere down the line? I think we're going to see a lot more alternate game modes that focus on specific kinds of models. Like we just got for AOS, like I said earlier, the the essentially it's essentially a dog fighting game in terms of like aerial combat, not back city um, dog combat. Uh, don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, like it really focuses in only on big models that fly. So, like, all the flying monsters, the carriage on airships, the, uh, the Viadon for the Eidneth Deepkin, that kind of stuff. Um, and 
cynical part of me feels like maybe that was geared towards uh, a we've got Ether War coming, which is a flying models only box set that's Zinch versus Carajon, and also maybe people aren't buying the particular models they showcased as much, which was a Carri- mm-hmm. one of the Carajon ships and a Bloodthirster. Um, and this like an encouraging thing for this is a cool, fun game. Here's all these rules for this. Pick up some of these models and give it a go. I think we'll see a lot of games like sort of on that style when maybe they don't prescribe exactly which models you need for it because that'd be a little lame, honestly, but it will encourage (laughs) people to purchase models they might otherwise not have. Like, and I feel honestly that started with like Kill Team a lot of the time because people picked up models they would never buy a full army of to do a kill team. I did that. I bought so many models that I would that I'll never do a full army for to do kill teams with. They're great. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was super successful because kill team is having a ton of support constantly, which is great because it's a really great game. And I reckon it's like Warcry is kind of like that for Age of Sigma. Like it's like all the factions can join in, use most of the models for all the factions, do what you want with them. I think we will see a more granular, like, customize your dudes, Age of Sigma thing at some point that focuses on, like, the small skirmishy side of things, precisely because mm-hmm. if, say, your Stormcast team is, like, a Liberator, two Sequiturs, and Adjudicator, you need to buy those models. You either have them already, or you're going to get the kits, even if it's just the easy-to-build ones. Um, and, like, that, that is... Games Workshop is a business. Primarily, they will promote things that they think will get people to buy more stuff and i think they've noticed the trend of small skirmishy things with specific like focuses get people to buy things they wouldn't otherwise do so i feel we'll get a lot of stuff like that i'm not sure on like a create your own uh rule set kind of set thing ever coming out because i feel they don't like that idea of a lack of control uh, I think we'll yeah, keep getting. Agree with that. Yeah, I think we'll keep getting lots of super cool and interesting things in general handbooks and chapter approveds. Um, speaking of which, uh, I do like the level of customization currently available for narrative and uh, non-matched narrative and open play. There we go. Um, specifically because I've got a pretty good idea for my Torgaradon conversion, and I want to be able to run it as an actual character model. So I think <laughs> I should be able to figure figure that out using the uh, the create your own uh, create your own uh, named or special character rules from the previous chapter approved. Uh, oh yeah, I remember those, yeah. Yeah, because they had all yep. those like you know they could get plus one ballistic skill or they have this particular rule and that kind of stuff like that. So I, I got a good idea for what I want to do there and like having that as a customizable thing. Again, it's something they don't need to do. It's something that is I'm going to assume barely ever used but they printed it it's there it's technically official and it encourages people to do cool and unique things like i don't know if i'll ever use stuff i build in a game i don't get a lot of games in it's unlikely so i like to go more for what i think looks cool rather than what is a thousand percent guaranteed to be allowed in a tournament or whatever but like (laughs) yeah particularly with my knights like i have ideas for future night projects that are like there's no rules for this loadout but all these weapons exist in 40k, so just slap these weapons on a knight and give them the current points values for those weapons, and it's good enough, right? Like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, a, a knight tyrant with a plague burst crawler mortar on the shell and stuff like that. Stuff right. like, uh, all these kinds of things. Like, it's not technically allowed as it is, but I don't think it's 
game-breaking, and I think it looks cool, and I've done this big, expensive model specifically for it. So, hey, let's do a narrative-slash-open-game where this exists and see what it's like. And mm. the fact that the fact that Games Workshop actively promotes that every chance they get, they say there's three ways to play, play 40k in Age of Sigma. There's open, narrative, and matched. Everyone in the community at large seems to focus in on matched, but there's so much good stuff that you can do with narrative and open play. Like open play is literally just yeah. set down whatever you want, do whatever you want. That's cool. Narrative <laughs> is write a story, bring up, like you said, custom rules. Like I feel a lot of, a lot of the stuff we're talking about could just fall under narrative play. Like what yeah. if, what if this model was kitted out like this? What if this was happening? So the two opposing armies had this. What if we just made up a mission that completely ignores how the game usually works? Like um, the objectives kill people. You've got to get away from them. I don't know, something like that, yeah. like, oh, that's a good idea, actually. The objectives, <laughs> the objectives go down, and there's, like, a six-inch bubble around them, turn one, that just kills models, and it just keeps... Exp- it's like it's like, a, it's like a Fortnite, the Battle Royale, the web, have the objectives on the outside of the board, forcing all the armies into the middle to fight. That'd be good for a skirmish game. Yeah. Maybe write that up for Warcry or something, or Kill Team. Yeah, well, that, well that's the thing. These, these <laughs> non-Warhammer ones, you know, mm. games are coming up with these sort of ideas. That's yeah. the thing. That's yeah. sort of what got me thinking about this. And I think that you're, you're, you're completely right. I think that, that there always has to be, when it comes to GW, there always has to be a lot of control. Like mm. I said, I don't think create your own to that extreme is ever going to be a thing because yeah. ultimately they're going to point it towards models. Um, what I'd like to see, I suppose what I'm saying is almost a bit like uh, mm. Adeptus Titanicus, but I would love to see a situation where it's involving knights um, rather than titans. Mm. And obviously, because if it was real 40k titans, yeah. this game would get very, very expensive. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, compared to knights where, you know, you, you can load them out with whatever you want. And, mm. you know, it's more mm. to the level of... Where you, you know you 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 know like yourself you you know you got your family of knights you know your household you <laughs> yeah. know your girlfriend's gonna have to be move out soon because there's not gonna be enough room for her. Look, for when I build knights. when um, I build the night tyrant, it will be sleeping in the bed with us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all cuddled up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I um I think you know to my you know when mm. I when I see stuff like that it'd be lovely to have it where it's a bit like Titanicus where it's all about overheating and yeah. you know and, and critical yeah. hits to areas where it's Ooh. you know broke down to that sort of level but you can kit them out it's almost like a training mm. like a training mm. ground it's a bit battle tech oh. mech warrior like you know yes um hey Matt that sort work of with st- me on this mm. let's adapt the Titanicus rules into a 1v1 night jousting game that's what, yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. where it's just one-on-one. Um, they've, it's almost like they, it's justified because obviously, like you said, knights are all about honor and, and things mm. like that. Or it could be that, like I said, they can, it's a way to test new weapons, you know, mm. so it's outside mm. of the battlefield. It's going, right, you're armed with this, you know, super duper Vulcan, <laughs> the Vulcite, a Vulcan, that's Vulcan. different universe. Yeah, it's Vulcite. a cannon that shoots Vulcan out of it. <laughs> yeah. He's coming to give you a <laughs> yeah. hug. Yeah, yeah. This, this yeah, Spock just lands on the uh, mm. on the carapace, just like <laughs> boom, splat. Um, it, you know, something like that where you can sort of you can use these ones where it's not about uh, WYSIWYG or things mm. like that, and mm. you can just experiment. I I think it'd be amazing because the thing is with a lot of these things, they don't they can be as basic as oh let's chuck it into White Dwarf as yeah. they've done with some yeah. of these recent ones, or just release a soft back book. Mm. Um, similar to what we've seen with um, 
things like Blackstone Fortress and Warcry, you know, where they're doing these annuals and things. I know that's a collection stuff, but it's the same principle. Go, here yeah. you go. Yeah. Here's, here's a book. You know, it's not overly expensive. It gives you, you know, you've got these models or you've got some models that you may not buy, but you may want to now because here's some mm. cool rules that you can play with your friends. I mean, we saw it with with monsters and mercenaries. Yeah. Um, putting aside the mercenaries and stuff, more the monsters, but because mm. realistically, were people buying chimeras before? Probably not, or not to that great sort of level. Yeah. Whereas obviously now you're like, oh, you can use a chimera and war cry. Oh, mm. yeah, mm. I may buy that now. It's the, you know, it's that principle. And let's be honest, you will, there'll be models that you will pass over in, in, in at GW that you think, well, I'm never going to buy that because I've got no reason to buy it. Mm. And as soon as some rule set comes out that that it may be relevant to you in some sort of way, you're like, hmm, you know, everyone starts rubbing their chins going, yeah. hmm. Mm. Yes, I think oh. I'm, look, I'm looking at that model in a different light now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, because yeah. there's a reason to, to use it for mm. something. Mm. Um, but I, 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 I hope anyway, which is never going to stop, is that people i not GW, just, you know, you, I, and everyone else in the community just mm. just starts doing these cool little projects, these cool yeah. little game modes and go, you know, that you just do with your friends, you know, and like I said, with the beauty is with the internet now, you can create some rules, you make a PDF, you know, if mm. you find the time, and obviously I know, obviously effort goes into that, but people are, are, are lovely and willing to do that and give it to the world and go, here you go, guys, you know, here's a, an alternative game mode. It's not endorsed by GW, but... You know, you and your friends me. can play it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And have a have a good time. And I would love us to do a, 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 this this uh, oh, night yeah. jousting yeah. one-on-one. Absolutely. I think we need to... I think... Do you know what would be really cool? We'd be mm. doing it as like a community project as well. Yeah. Like yeah. where we build it as a community. We use our Discord. We use obviously mm. everyone else mm. as well. And we start over next year, 2020, we start building a cool little rule set yes mm. oh mm. i mean we're already we're already having a night duel right now me and sigmund fruder duel of fates who can paint a cockpit cockpit faster on the discord yeah. so <laughs> um, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah so I, know, I would be well up for that i've got to start looking at how titanicus actually works <laughs> yeah I, I i was i know this sort of goes slightly off topic but i i was hoping to get the rules for christmas because it was on my list but i didn't unfortunately get it i mean i did get a lot of lovely other stuff so i'm not going to complain but it, yeah so i may i may buy the rule because i want it i i would love to play titanicus oh, anyway yeah. but yeah i yeah, I may. I mean, mm, yeah. Look, if, if I play Titanicus, I'm going all in. I'm playing full scale, which means it will be knights only in my community. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's my eventual yeah, goal. That... That's why I'm actually building a knight household. They just need to add armiger rules and make tiny, yeah, tiny armigers the size of my pinky nail. <laughs> well, saying that, I suppose if you had to sort of do it scale wise, because I think mm. that in Titanicus, knights are around Terminator size, aren't yeah. they? In 40k, I roughly. Mean, yeah, true. So, in that case, so, it's like a, a bit smaller than a guardsman, then. Yeah. That's not yeah, too it'd be bad. Like a, it'd be like a Gretchen. Oh, my God. So it's like. That, no, they need they need to do those now so that someone can do an all robot orc army. That's just a big mech yeah. made out of an amble, who's uh, an mm. ambot rather, who's who's made his army of cyborgs and cyber Gretchen. Oh, oh, that'd be hilarious! That'd be amazing. Someone do that, um, <laughs> please. <laughs> work it out. Uh, but yeah, like, but, but this is how, this is how things start, though, isn't it? This is oh, how yeah, these yeah. little game modes. Uh, because let's be honest, I can guarantee that a, a lot of the game modes that that GW publish in like White Dwarf and things mm, like that mm. come from just the staff having conversations. I don't truly believe they're like, right, 
Johnny Jim, you're <laughs> you've got to create a, a Necromunda mode, you know, and, yeah. and just sort of have to think of it on the spot. I don't think it works that way. It's probably go, mm. hey, hey, editor Bob, I've got this idea, you know, and and sort of go, hmm, no, we could work with this, and oh, then yeah. and then it yeah. you know it plants a seed and then goes from there and obviously a few you know a few editions later it gets put into the the uh, the magazine itself i think that's probably oh, how yeah. things go i think that's how warcry well that's how warcry was sort of built because it was yeah. you know if you, <laughs> it was well i think so because obviously the models i mean this is go back to warhammer fest but the models were built well designed first and then mm. they built a game around it yeah you know as yeah. opposed to the other way around and obviously it was manned by um what's his name sam Oh, I forgot his surname, but he, he's the guy that obviously did um, Hinterlands, which was a, a, a based on uh, Mordheim. It was okay. like a... Oh, no, yeah. sorry, no, it's based on AOS Skirmish. So he... Mm. Okay, apologies if I got this wrong, but I think this is how it worked. So Sam, again, forgetting his surname, apologies, um, who created... He was the sort of the main guy behind Warcry. He, before he worked for GW, he created a game called Hinterlands, yeah. which was an alternative to AOS Skirmish. So okay. not, um, not yeah, Mordheim, yeah, yeah. Skirmish. And... You know, and obviously it was very, from what I understand, if you look at it, look it up, it was very popular. Obviously he doesn't work on it anymore, but it was very popular to the point where people were playing this Hinterlands game over the official, you know, GW AOS skirmish game, because, you know, it obviously had rules that people found a bit better. Um, So, and that's, uh, that's, I think these, the, a lot of these things come from even as GW staff, I think, you know, and, and people that work in the head office and work for the, you know, White Dwarf and the rules teams. That you know, they probably like you and I. We're doing now. We have a conversation, and then it just—I like said—it just plants a seed, and then you mm-hmm. know, they talk about it with you know their colleagues and go, "Hey, <laughs> should we? You know, can we do this? You know?" So, mm. yeah, we'll see. Awesome. But yeah. um, no, I think we should. I think we should do this. So, oh, so to go along with our um, Tor Garadon, you know, <laughs> uh, kit bash conversion competition, which you'll find about later yeah in the we'll start of 2020 that. we'll announce that in like the yeah. 2nd of january or something when i pick yeah, up Tor, when like i that. pick up Tor garadon from the store on the 2nd of january then yeah go. <laughs> <laughs> then it's go time <laughs> we'll talk about that later but no i'd lo- I'd love to do like a community sort mm. of rule set i think oh, yeah. that'd be absolutely amazing oh. right okay right where's that notepad i'm gonna add write it, that add in like <laughs> add in like underworld stuff we'll make some basic like tactics cards or something oh I love this source. No, oh no, no. that'd be too complex. Right, okay, we, we'll get into yeah. this later. No, we'll, do, we'll do it. Hey, let, that that'll be our anniversary episode. Is we start writing a rule set? <laughs> oh, that's actually a really good. That's idea. a pretty good idea. Let's do that. <laughs> let's put that on the table. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Let's. I'm actually mm. very excited about that. Yeah, I'm I know we got this. just for context. Cameron and I have been talking about our um anniversary ideas because obviously it'll be our mm. second anniversary in february so yeah. you know we thought well let's start thinking about what we could do for that to do because obviously that like, for our first anniversary we did uh, a live one shot of well not live but we recorded yeah. a one shot of us playing wrath and glory so mm. yeah oh that would be cool yeah Ooh. doing it on on air yeah sort of actually Hell doing yeah. the rules just live stream it mm. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Right. Well, before we go down that rabbit hole, I think um, I think we'll wrap this up. I think we've yeah. um, discussed a couple of topics which have been interesting and as varied. And I, I think that's again that's why we do these waffle episodes. It's mm-hmm. it's just to you know us to air things that realistically wouldn't be able to fit as much into our main episodes. Mm. So uh, yeah. So I hope you've uh, enjoyed listening to us waffle as we <laughs> do so elegantly um, and. Uh, 
so like i said you know if you want to check us out on social media and and such like you can check us out in the show notes below and all that jazz um talking to social media cameron where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on twitter at night underscore twitten that's night without a k really got to go change that at some point um <laughs> where i'm general genuinely uh generally i should say uh yelling about the horrific australian climate issues uh and also it's the holidays so i'm just reblogging shit posting other various memes um reposting i should retweeting <laughs> retweeting that's what you do on twitter uh you can also find me yeah. on our instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin all lowercase i believe um where there's a lot of in progress shots of various things i've been doing over the last couple of weeks which is uh i didn't do anything for the last couple of weeks and then just the last couple of days i've started posting stuff again um because i was busy for christmas uh but yeah, you can find us there. That's our official. That's our official Instagram. It's a thing that exists. Hooray! Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you can obviously find me on our Discord, which you should join. It's a lovely community. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just quick addendum here. Hey, everyone on Discord, you're great, and I love you. Well done, everyone. We've had a wonderful Christmas together. I feel um, I've have. lived vicariously through all of you and your amazing gifts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. We've some of us have been very spoiled, including mm. myself. Mm. So yeah, we've got some. But we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, talk about that on our next main show, which should be coming around mid January. Yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks time we're just like so that's hence why we're doing this waffle to sort of tick things over um and yep continuing that social media train you can find me on twitter as well at ninja badger seven um i actually did a tweet last night for the first time on there i'm gone for a while it's just me amazing i know i know i thought i'd break break the silence (laughs) and actually get around to it uh obviously it's because i spend most of my time on our uh you know obviously the podcast twitter which is where you can find us on there as well at realm and ruin mm. which you can see all the lovely warhammer stuff that we love talking about so yeah, yeah so cool okay we got some plans for 2020 oh, i think man. off the back uh, of this <laughs> this is gonna be good couldn't be a good year everyone um and just as a quick heads up because like i said this will come out before our next main recording i'll make sure of that um that uh, our sort of first main topic for 2020 will be we'll be covering court of the blind king which is the very first idina deepkin novel we're both very excited about that it's about time Mm -hmm. exactly cool okay well hope you've enjoyed us waffling and we'll as always catch you on the next one bye